This week on Tea with Queen and Jay, we presented our first Listen to Black Women podcasting as Black Oral Tradition panel at South by Southwest, and we're sharing it with you today. Black women continue the oral traditions of our ancestors through podcasting while leveraging the platform to heal, organize, and mobilize ourselves and our extended community of listeners. Not only is the Black woman's voice varied, ranging in sound and perspective, but who's listening and who we choose to address is political. It's Tea with Queen and Jay, people. Drink up. And we're black all the time. Okay. Yes, I figure I add some snarky stuff. All right. Thank you for the snark. That's for the snark. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome. To Tea with Queen and Jay, we, we are, are two womanist race nerds talking shit over tea, dismantling white supremacist patriarchal capitalism, one episode at a time. I'm Queen. I'm Jay. And, and this is Tea with Queen and Jay. And Yes. We be feeling it. We do be feeling it. We be feeling it. We do, we do, we do. Um, This is a Spotted Tea episode. These are freeform episodes that we do so that we can do an episode every Every week week. since it's just the two of us. This is actually the week that we are at Podcast Movement in Philly. Yeah. So we are recording this in the days of futures past. word with Jay's head. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. If you would like to follow the conversation being had on this podcast, you can do so by using our hashtag, hashtag Tea with QJ. You can use it on all the social meets and also use the hashtag Podden so that other people see that you're listening to this podcast. That's right. And as always, we're recording this portion of the podcast at the Indie Creative Network Studios. Be sure to check them out online at ICN.DJ if you want to book a session or if you want to just check out their content. They have new content every hour on the hour for us, by us. There are articles up there, videos up there their podcast up there be sure to check it out icn.dj yeah i'm gonna describe libations this week okay since i don't have any except that i'm thankful to be a podcast movement and Mm -hmm. hopefully i'm having a blast and don't have no white supremacist stories to tell when we come back we shall see hopefully it's just all fun and and laughs and giggles and shit Mm -hmm. and hopefully i'm eating delicious foods I want to eat delicious foods Mm -hmm. there, and I want to, my sister is coming, and so we want to go to a Malcolm Comics. Okay, those are my libations. My libations (laughs) is that I hope we're having a good time, but libations are when we pour one out for the people, places, and things that are giving us black joy, and um, they are our shout-outs. So what, Queen, are your libations this week? My libation is actually going to Laura Mignot. That's how I say her name. Yes. Um, Laura is the woman who made it possible for us to present this panel for the first time that's right it's the black woman who created an opportunity for us she used her space to be like yo i got some space for y'all for sure come through and we came through and you know we just want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to present this panel it was the first time jay and i presented a panel any fucking way so the fact that you believed in us and trusted us and knew that we would hold you down yes actually in closing the whole your house all the panels Mm -hmm. that you had at the house was fucking dope so libations to laura for giving us that opportunity Mm -hmm. and um just being amazing yeah and she didn't like 
make me edit anything Mm-mm. or filter anything yeah. out i was just like this is my idea and she's like yeah uh-huh that's, <laughs> yes that's perfect yeah um so yeah so thank you laura if you want to check out laura's podcast she also does the reset podcast yep. and that is on itunes yo so be sure to check that check shit out that, that was out. a good libation i like mm-hmm. that if you sent us a donation this week we again we are at podcast movement right now so we will mention that on the sh- next week's podcast yep. but thank you so much please know that your donation did help us get to podcast movement and is feeding us on this trip and is allowing us to pay for the hotel without skipping out even though they would charge my credit card anyway yeah they would do that first yeah they would but would it be declined anyway but no (laughs) it's not going to be declined because we got donations so thank you thank you so much but she said that i was like don't stress me out like that no that's uh, the life i live no no we're good but i'm all the way here right right no we figured it all out We're, we're all set don't don't you worry um, but like we said, this is Spotted Tea Podcast, and we are presenting our Listen to Black Women panel. Yep, our Listen to Black Women panel, podcasting as Black oral tradition. Yeah. And this is a panel that we created mm-hmm. because we wanted to talk about the shit that we haven't heard anyone else talk about in podcasting. Yeah. Um, and how so, black women contribute to podcasting and yes. how the way the way of which black women um, throughout the, throughout the diaspora, throughout the history of us, have used the oral tradition as storytelling, as ways to talk about our oppression or our happiness and all of those things, and mm-hmm. how that's been a huge pillar just in blackness. Period. Yep. Um, so that is extending to podcasting in ways that is amazing, and that we are seeing in real time. And we wanted to like talk about that with other women in pa- yes. podcasting and um, just different perspectives and viewpoints and experiences, but. With that panel, we just saw all came to the same space, even though we all like had different backgrounds. Yes, all that stuff. Right. So it was important to us to get panelists of different backgrounds yes. because a lot of times we've gone to these podcasting um, events, and it's all one type of yeah, person. Because people think diversity just means like okay, we have all these black women here. Diversity is happening. But it's like, are we talking about diversity in economics, diversity Mm -hmm. in education, Mm -hmm. diversity in, I don't know, sexuality, diversity in gender? Like, are we talking about that? Um, Age. Mm -hmm. There's lots of ways for you to talk about diversity and inclusion that does not include race. And we, even though this was about black women, we knew we could still be diverse, even on top of that. Absolutely. Speaking of diversity, right, so our panelists, we were sure to pull from diverse backgrounds. This is a travel, once again, this is a traveling panel yeah. that we're doing. So we will do this panel again with different, different panels, black. panelists. Yes. Um, I've pitched it several times with varying panelists. So we hope to be able to do this again. And every time it is going to be a little bit different because of the voices that we have. Exactly. There. And um, that's the intent. Yes. That is our intent. Right. So this go around, we had Brooke DeVard. On the podcast, and Brooke is the host of the Naked Beauty podcast. She's also a senior marketing manager at Viacom, which is super dope. Content strategist. Um, yeah, she's fucking dope and she, amazing. She does this. She does the damn thing. Yeah, she does it. Um, and she brought a lot of folks from Viacom out, which was super dope. I yeah. love sitting there talking my black girl shit in front of executives who otherwise would <laughs> not be listening to yeah. me. So mm-hmm. that was cool. We're like some podcasting community ass bitches. So like, you know, these people. 
All right. Yeah, some of these some of these people are our homies. <laughs> right, but I'm saying I'm saying it now just so that you can know the voices who are speaking. All right, so we also had the homie Diamond Styles on the panel. Diamond Styles, as we know, in addition to being a dope ass trans black trans activist, she is one of the hosts. She's the creator and one of the hosts of Marsha's Plate Black Trans Talk podcast. Um, be sure if you're not subscribed to that already, I don't know what's going on. If you're not subscribed, I'm just going to say you're transphobic. Like, that's, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. And you're racist. <laughs> yes. Uh, Laura Mignon, of course, was on, was there, host of the Reset podcast. Mm-hmm. She also, we were there because she is the CEO of DFlash, which yeah. is a New York-based experience communications agency. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she was there doing that activation for Your House South by Southwest. Yes. We have Money, of course, from Queer Walk Podcast. You know, Money is about to be a doctor. About to be a doctor. That's right. Ratchet feminist and doctoral candidate in family therapy, therapy. at yes. Syracuse University. She's fucking dope. The homie Nikita was there. We know Nikita is an organizer with the Worker Center of Central New York and co-host of Queer Walk Podcast and us. Yeah. Queen and Jay were there. Queen and, Jay and there. Your um, we were moderating and answering. Um, right so yeah it was cool really great to mm-hmm, do mm-hmm. i had a really good time doing i this. had a blast and listening back to it um you are an interesting person queen <laughs> i know i am <laughs> i know this about you already but it's rare that i get to say this because i'm in the presence of your glory all the time <laughs> so and and a lot of times we listen back to the podcast when we edit but i don't just get to listen to our podcast and enjoy it and mm-hmm. i was just listening to some of your answers to, to this episode and i was like what's wrong with her <laughs> Like, in a good way. Like, what is her deal? I do what the fuck I Who want. Who is this person? I do what I want. Yeah, so. I live in this world alone like I'm a white man. You absolutely do. <laughs> you absolutely do. Yeah, so I, I definitely enjoyed your answers to a lot Thank of you. the questions. Thank yeah, you. and it was a sister circle. The panel was, was basically a sister circle yeah. and us talking and about. people got to look in on that That's right, circle. talking about our experiences in media and podcasting. And I think um, the way that we discuss it from the lens of a black woman and from the lens of women who are not looking to navigate whiteness yeah because like you said when you introduce all these people like everybody got jobs right <laughs> like everyone has is and are in these industries and doing their damn thing mm-hmm. and this podcast is theirs yes they're not trying to be famous podcasters right, like right, they are right. but not you know in that way mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. already have these jobs that the world would think makes them successful mm-hmm. um so there's no need for them to do that i right. feel in their podcast and there's no need for them to put on or try to put on to get on when we were in the panel either mm-hmm. you know so right. that's what made it really right. nice and genuine right. the people that we had on the panel mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. yeah nobody had that i gotta get on energy right so it was wasn't like let me edit or stay back or hold back or not say these things that I know need to be said or that I know that I needed to hear when I was sitting on the other side of um, sitting in an audience and other panels and all those things like that you know so yeah it seemed like everybody felt really comfortable and we were we it's not like we were there talking to an audience of like black other black women yeah, you know what i'm saying white people in the yeah it was and that was cool and that's what we set out to do yeah that's what we set out to do really so you have anything else to say no about i this? just you know want them to listen and and yeah just listen to the panel and take it in you know mm-hmm. yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> just to give you a little rundown of our the definition of oral tradition and what that is and what that means and why we did this. Um, oral tradition 
Um, our messages that are transmitted early from one generation to another, so that storytelling, proverbs, um, singing, all of those things that we use to transmit stories orally. Um, while people all over the world have oral traditions, the oral traditions become particularly important to black folks throughout the diaspora during and after the slave trade when storytelling was all that we had. We weren't allowed to read. We weren't allowed to write. So oral traditions are highly important um, amongst black folks and particularly black women. So ways that we share orally since we don't have or weren't allowed to have books was by talking. Ways and histories before the slave, transatlantic slave trade that we told stories was we had griots, we had orishas, we had people who were pillars of our communities who told these stories without written books before the slave trade even happened. But even after that, it's highly important that we keep that orisha or griot-like spirit. And for us, that seems to be podcasting. Um, so that's how it all ties in together. All right, so our questions we're going to ask, we're going to open them to the group, um, and anyone who feels comfortable can go ahead and answer. So first question, when was the first time you experienced a gathering of black women speaking in a safe space? You want to go first? Yeah, I went to a summer camp, and my mom is here, she'll remember it, Camp Atwater. Was it in Maine? But it was an all-women's black summer camp. And it's interesting because my memories of being at that summer camp were, we would talk a lot about our hair and we would put on like face masks. And it's funny because now with Naked Beauty, I've kind of built this community of women that are talking about their hair and makeup and skincare. But I've realized that you can't really talk to someone about their beauty routine without learning their entire personal history. Um, but I have really fond memories of going to that summer camp and we would all like braid each other's hair and all of those good things. And it was a very um, kind of just like inclusive and warm feeling. And then I went to a high school, predominantly white. I was the first black girl even to join the high school. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really experience that again until I did a semester at Spelman, which was an incredible experience. I was trying to think, and it's kind of sad that I was like, I don't think ever I, to just be talking in a room with black women safely. Um, so then I started kind of reflecting on uh, spaces that we had to make safe. And actually the first one that popped in my head uh, was uh, being kicked out of a sorority event because I was wearing pants. And it just so come to happen that like everybody who got kicked out was queer in some way. And so, um, you know, we were standing in the hallway of this like sorority convention, uh, black queer women like making sense of ourselves in that moment. And uh, so in thinking about that, it made me think about how, like, although I don't feel like there's ever been a space that I've been in to, as to where, like, black women could just talk and be safe, I think that because we are black in an anti-black society, are woman in a patriarchal society, and are queer in a uh, heteronormative, queerphobic society, we've learned ways to communicate with each other that make those space safest, spaces even in, like, toxic spaces so we could be standing in a hallway and it becomes like a celebratory thing and people don't know what the hell we talking about like right in front of them right they can't they can't access our space that they didn't make us a part of so um for myself um when I was in high school my high school was actually really good at diversity and inclusion so like 
everything was there, but me and my homegirls still had what we called the black girl corner. So we had a section of lockers that for some reason just became ours. Everyone knew not to touch them shits. <laughs> and we would congregate there and everyone just knew like, oh, that's the black girl corner and we were just there and we just lived in that space throughout our whole high school experience and we were just able to just like be. And nobody questioned it in a way as, why are they able to do this? They just let it exist, which was really important for us. So for me, that was like my first like, black girl corner, black girl space, where I was just able to just like be and not even be reminded that I was a black girl every second of the day. So, yeah. Mm. I think it was a beauty shop. I think that because I was a queer young male at the time, like prior to my transition, that was a space that we, where my queerness wasn't judged and I had something to offer because I could do hair and I can have fashion and they allowed me into the space. And then so when I transitioned, I was already a part of the space and they were like, you know, you should have been came out. You should have, we knew this was gonna happen. And you know, we knew that you, it's kind of same thing with the way my mother was, you know, we knew you before. I knew what was going on before you actually told me. I was just kind of waiting on you. Um, so that was a space that I felt safe in, the beauty area. Um, and we were able to talk about politics at the, who we were gonna vote for. Um, we were able to talk about, um, I'm old, so um, the, the- Oldest the objectives, OJ, oldest the, objective. The OJ Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, all that, um, anything that came up, that was a space that you couldn't wait to go to. Kind of like w in regards to our podcast, I can't wait. When, like when um, Black Panther came out, I couldn't wait to hear you guys' opinion. And it's the same thing, you know? <laughs> it's the same thing. Like, we, we couldn't wait to come to the beauty shop to see what our stylist was gonna say, what the customer that comes and just has an appointment, when I have an appointment, what she's gonna say. So that was a space for me where it was the first one. The, the first thing that popped into my head was just something that still happens in my life. It's just me sitting around the table, uh, in the kitchen table with my grandma and my, all my aunties and my mama. And as you were talking, reading the definition of oral tradition and how it's so important specifically um, for black women, I, it's not a coincidence that, you know, it was you, when we moved to the 70s and we started talking about Audre Lorde and the Combahee River Collective, those group of women, they named their press the kitchen table press. And so it's like that, that just speaks to how important you know, the kitchen table is, for, you know, for black women and just like connecting those dots around the world tradition. Ooh, I like that. Snap to that, y'all. Let's... <laughs> Reclaimed it, right? Because I'm sorry. I'm loud, so I'll be forgetting that people need mics, but... Um... <laughs> Uh, it also reclaimed it, right? Like yes. this is this uh, is no longer like a space of like violence or that we're forced to be in, um, that you underpay us to overwork in, but like we're reclaiming the space is like the kitchen yes. table is ours. Totally, totally. All right. So I'm gonna move on to the next question. Um, when did you hear a voice like yours in media? I'm, I'm gonna hand it to Jack. <laughs> Um, I don't think that I had ever really heard a voice like mine in media until podcasting, honestly. And you could hear women from all over the world and connect with people who have a shared experience with yours. Um, the closest woman I think that I could think of 
in media. And these are, I had to piece all these things together. So there was Angie Martinez in New York, um, but that was a, a very, that's a very light-skinned Puerto Rican woman, which I am not, you know, I'm light-skinned, but I am not a Puerto Rican woman. It's just like I had to imagine her as, you know what I'm saying, me as a New Yorker, you know? Um, but there's still things that we didn't share because she was not like a black woman, you know what I mean? I think similar to you, Jay, it, I didn't hear anyone talking about business from a black woman's perspective. And I was like, really? Because <laughs> um, I spent hours sort of listening to all of these ridiculous business-based podcasts that were about how you're so crushing it in business, and it was just very lame and very sweaty white guys. Uh, and so I, th I thought to myself, well, I know what I'm doing, and if I just sort of speak to this by default, my perspective and the world that I live in as a black woman in business, I'll be able to bring that out to other people, and then that will ha actually help to resonate with people who are trying to learn what our perspectives are. Mm -hmm. Not even, sorry, I'm just gonna hop on that. Not even, in, in addition to learning what your perspectives are, when you hear someone who has a similar experience to yours talk about something. I, I don't, I have in the past tried to listen to white guys talk about business and it just never connected with me. It right. never, it was like this, it, he's talking from an experience that I won't be able to achieve this unless I do all these other things that he's never even had to consider. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when I listen to your podcast, I'm like, oh, I can, as a, as a person who doesn't consider herself business-minded, I can wrap my head around what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Because I know where you're coming from, you know? So. And even in the talk before this one, sometimes mindset is not enough. Sometimes as a black trans woman, when I come into a space, that title can stop me from getting opportunities. It doesn't matter how happy and enthusiastic and oh my God, I can do this and I got this, the mindset that I have coming in it, it doesn't matter. If they, are, if they don't accept who I am and they don't accept me, then it's not gonna happen and my mindset doesn't determine that at all. So related, um, <laughs> I'm a therapist and um, it's really important for me to talk the way I talk, I talked about this as when I was a guest on your podcast yeah. um, because this is gonna sound real weird but like the first time I felt like I related to somebody um, was Cardi B because she was getting so much criticism about how she talks mm -hmm. and I'm a like no amount of Credentials or anything is going to take away the way I talk I'm a black girl and it's very important for me to also keep this voice and to not try to code switch or assimilate because It's, it's interesting how like the people who have traumatized me who have, have also like cornered the market on healing and so I'm like I want us to be in these spaces to heal each other um, and so if if there is some girl out there considering being anything, be it a social worker, psychologist, anything, and she turns on my podcast and hear me talking about mental health in this voice, like, this bitch doing it? I'm like, like you know, like, all right then, where I sign up, you know? Like, that's, that's very important. Some of us, we're, we're looking for mental health professionals. Yeah, we are. We're trying to get out of this mindset that mental health is something like, oh, right. that's for white folks. Yeah. We're trying to get out of that mindset. So when I hear Majani, I'm like, oh my God, why don't I have some, something like that in Houston? Because I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to talk to um, Bianca St. James. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
hundreds of fluent and an extra queen, and she has all these opportunities yeah. that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. She doesn't understand me. I can't, I, I don't want to go to her. I want to go to somebody who can relate to my experience. And related to like oral tradition, it's this a power in the voice. So even even if I haven't had these experiences that you have had, like my my the way my voice sounds, the way Jay's voice sounds, the way all of our voices sounds, they tell a story within themselves, you know. And it's like, well, I could connect to that. So that's what I want to be a part of. Um, so when you record your podcast, who who are you speaking to? So who matters to you? What gaze, G A Z E, are you most concerned with? Versus who? Huh? <laughs> Both, <laughs> right, the gays and the gays, yes. Um, uh, and, right, versus, so who are you speaking to versus who is listening? Does the gays that you're most concerned with match your actual audience? I can, I can speak to that because it's just top of mind for me as I navigate advertisers coming to me to be on the podcast and... Right, so I talk a lot about um, making your own beauty products and how there's this whole consumerist commercial machine that's telling you to go out and buy this new moisturizer and buy this new mascara and you can take like yogurt and turmeric and lemon in your own kitchen and make your own face mask right so when I have now beauty brands coming to me I think should I kind of censor myself or not be so anti-commercial because that's going to hurt me down the line um, but I, I would imagine that a lot of you guys have the same experience when you're recording. I like blackout. Like I don't even think about people listening, right? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. like I literally I'm recording and I don't at, while I'm the entire time I'm recording I never think about an audience. It's yeah. just not conscious. And I mean I've listened to all of your podcasts and I think that we can't be our full selves. We can't be who we are on our shows if we're thinking about who's listening. Yeah. For um, our podcast, I'm basically talking to myself. I'm saying all the things that I've needed for my life. I'm saying everything that I've needed to survive. I'm saying everything that I've used to survive and still love myself because I live in a world that tells me not to. So that's who I'm speaking to. So all the black girls who sound like they're from the Bronx or sound like they're from these places that tell you you're not worthy or you're not enough, that's who I'm talking to. But what's weird and crazy for Jay and I is that our most vocal listener has been white women. Yeah. And yeah, and it's, it's, hey, listen, like, do it. But, <laughs> you know, um, I want everyone to listen, but my target is like women like me, girls like me, girls who have been told that they should like just be in the shadows. Um, so, yeah. I think that one of the benefits of that is that when you are your most authentic self, because our message a lot of the time, especially considering um, what's happening right now with feminism and what we call white feminism, which would be exclusionary feminism, right? Not a non-intersectional type of feminism. Um, and so we talk about that. Our, our dedication has to been to yell at that type of feminism and bring intersectionality to life and bring womanism to life. Um, it is interesting that we are speaking our truth and we have all of these white women listeners who will send us questions or who are learning or who are saying, yeah, I didn't have the words for this thing. I was feeling icky about this, but I didn't have the words. And so I also have black folks who are like, do white people listen to your show? Yeah. Like, because they listen and they're like, wow. And we're like, yeah, they're listening. When you, when you sit in your truth and you're not, and you don't sound afraid. Now, do we have um, the millions of listeners that people who are, if I were not being myself, I might have more listeners, yeah. but you'd be surprised at how many people outside of your target audience would be drawn to you if you speak your truth. You know what I mean? And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't feel good if I wasn't speaking my truth anyway, you know? I think that 
I mean, our target audience is in the title, queer women of color. And, and like, it's funny though, because the main response that we get that I think is our favorite is that people always say, going back to like the oral you know, tradition and like the kitchen table and that kind of thing, the biggest response that we get overwhelmingly is that it feels like I'm sitting in the living room with my friends. And also, um, in, if we even experience, experience it, because yeah, we from New York, but we not from New York City. Me and, me and Money live in upstate New York and it's about you know 10 black people in the whole region. <laughs> Um, and so it was like, we know very, like, very deeply what it means to be um, isolated as queer women of color, um, specifically like black queer women. And so I think that that's something that we, um, that's something that we aim to do. And I think, I think I feel confident saying that that's something that we do. And the other thing that I would like to um, mention is that I think something that we also try to do is, you know, a lot of people, you know, particularly young people and young marginalized people are really, you know, learning about and interested in social justice these days. But sometimes, like, social justice happens in a way where it's just really hard to pick up on the jargon. It's hard to pick up on what's actually, like, happening. And so it's like, we want to, like, in my day job, I'm an organizer, so something that like is important to me and I think is important to both of us is how do we get across complex ideas and concepts in a ways that like that are dick that honor people's dignity because I think that there's a lot of times we just talk to people in ways that are not really affirming to like people who are new to these things and they want to be involved in the whole idea about organizing it's not just like me going somewhere but it's me bringing other people along and so I think that that's something that we um, also really try to do. I love that. Snap to that, everybody. <laughs> just speaking of like African proverbs, one of the my favorite African proverbs is, "It's not until the lion learns to write that the narrative will always glorify the hunter." So I started mine because when I was searching for people who were like me, I couldn't find them. I couldn't see them. Or there was these weird stories. So we know that black, well, if you don't know, black trans women are being murdered at astronomical rates. And so the narrative usually is they were prostituting. Um, they were tricking somebody. And if you live this life, you know that's not the truth. That's just not. And so that's a narrative that media and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like if I tell my story and I tell, I didn't, if I tell the experience that I had, you will know a real version of my life. And a person who is like me can find me and say, oh, I know this person. Oh, this is me. I went through the same thing. How did you go through it? When I got fired from my job simply for being trans, not because I didn't do my job well, not because I was black, not because and it, be, it was specifically said to me because I was trans and I was causing a problem. It, and because I lived in a state didn't, that didn't have protections, Indiana. <laughs> I, I didn't have protections. So I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it and I didn't know how to deal with it. So it led me into prostitution. I graduated from college and done so many things now, but in the moment I had custody of my brother because my mother was locked up in the pr prison industrial complex, that whole situation. So I didn't have the tools and I didn't have somebody to say, everybody was worried about, 
why, why don't you just be a man? Why don't you just live your truth? Why don't you just go to church? Instead of trying to give me help on how to deal with my situation. And so I wanted to be that voice where if somebody like me was in a situation, they didn't have to go down the path that I've already learned how to get out of. And so that was, that's what oral tradition is about. Thank you I'm for that. All of that. <laughs> like, what? Seriously? You got this. You got this. You got this. Of uh, dib dib dib. Uh, duh. <laughs> uh, I got, well, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, you know, I think it's, it's interesting because I always sit at this really weird intersection of I'm an immigrant, I have Caribbean parents, I grew up in the suburbs, and I have this voice. And I have a very French-sounding last name, so no one knows where I am. And, this, and interestingly, this weekend, five different people have said to me, all white men, where are you from? Because you have this non-accent. And for me, that's also part of it. Like the, one, why does it matter where I'm from? I'm talking to you, where it's up by, obviously. I'm in the business. Um, and I think part of the reason that I created the re reset and some of the people who've reached out have been similar people who are Caribbean, who, ha who might be immigrants as well. A lot of black English women, which has been fantastic. I'm like, my people. Um, <laughs> but I think because there, you know, we have our own sort of unique perspective on the world because I have to straddle so many different worlds in business and in personal relationships. And so I wanted to create, I wanted to essentially take, create a voice and a space where I could honestly talk about the, the, the hardest struggle I have, which is in business. And how do you navigate being a black woman in business is so difficult because as, as, as anyone will tell you uh, even this weekend, being in business is so hard. And then when you add the addition of being a black woman, it's as if like, well, here's a, here's a, here's a ceiling, here's where we're going. And so how do I get myself to even be like kind of here? And I feel like I'm kind of here. So if I can provide some encouragement or some best practices or don't do what I did, um, I can also sort of begin to give that guidance to some people because I think it's necessary because the road's never going to be easy. But if we can at least provide a little bit of light along the way, I think that's the best we can do. Money, 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 money. <laughs> Do Money! You, do you know what this year is? Um, what's this year? Well, it's 2018, but do you know what 2018 is all about? What every year is all about? Yeah, but like... Giving black women year. your money. Yes, give okay. black women your money. Hashtag pay black women, okay, yo. Okay, okay. So, so how do they give black women their money? Well, they can start by giving us their money. Oh, yes. Yes. We do this dope-ass Women is Race Nerd podcast every motherfucking every week. Every week. Sometimes and, twice um, a week. Yeah, yo. <laughs> and we could use your loving motherfucking donations. Um, we definitely can. Absolutely. So how can you do that? You can go to our website, tvqueenandj.com. Hit that donate tab. Mm -hmm. We have two options there. So two! Two! You become a patron or you can just donate through PayPal. Yep. You choose. We mm -hmm. give you a choice That's right. on how you give us money. That's right. If you want to donate via Patreon, we're asking all of our listeners to break us off $2 a month. 
That's $24 a year. And if everybody who listens does that shit, we will have everything that we need to do everything we want to do for this podcast. Everything. And if you love us so much that you want to break us off a one-time donation, a multiple-time donation, or if you don't like the the once-a-month kind of system, you can go to our PayPal and give us any amount of money. We will take that shit. We will love that shit. We will appreciate that we shit. We will use that shit. That's right. So once again, teawithqueenandjay.com. Hit the donate tab and choose your donation method of choice. Oh my God, we're going to get money. Again! <laughs> All the time. Yes. Um, so we're getting to the next question. You see a thread between your work as a podcaster and what the elders did. If so, what is that thread? Money kind of brought it to mind when she was talking about speaking in her safe space with other black queer folks and others not understanding, right? But just being, you're there, it's a public conversation, but not everyone understands. And I think that with our podcast, because we are talking to other black women and femmes, we, there are times when we are speaking in code and those listeners get it. And others will send us an email and say, hey, I was following you, but then you started talking about, yeah, what's a hotep? Or, um, <laughs> or we've been talking a lot about Black Panther and the ways in which that film relates to the Kwanzaa principles, but we don't go over the principles. And I know we have listeners who have no idea what that is. And we'll say, hey, you guys, you can Google, Google this. And we carry on. We're not NPR. I don't need to explain. I'm not doing a huge exploratory comma. I'm not teaching you this. If you're interested in my content, I'm talking to other black women. Things that you don't understand, we are open enough that you can ask us and we will tell you what to Google so you can find it for yourself. Um, and I think that that is the difference in a lot of like what we do and recentering ourselves as, as the main focus, as the default, when white folks and white voices are typically the default for anything that happens in the US um, or in the colonized world, they tend to be the default. And so making us the default, um, and sometimes speaking in that coded language, it just reminds me of what our ancestors did, speaking in code in Negro spirituals, speaking, speaking in code anywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's so many things that I say, I was having dinner with my dad, talking like I'm speaking now, and I said something about white people that made him uncomfortable. And it wasn't, it wasn't bigoted, it was just free, you know, comfortable talking in ways that he just can't imagine speaking that way because when he was my age, it would mean a different thing. We might be about to fight somebody. You know, we could get in trouble. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I think that there's an element of free speech that we have now that didn't exist before, but also maintaining that coded language. And we have, there's more comfort in speaking coded language, you know? And we gotta protect, when we, when we talk about our ancestors, we have to protect our stories so that they're not erased. We just had a whole movie, Hidden Figures, about some the human machines who helped us get to the moon, and we didn't know that they were black. And the fact that we didn't hear about that in history books in school, all, we heard about NASA going to the moon, right? But we, right, and didn't know anything about it. Queer folks, black women, have been a part of the spear to create change in our, in our country. So we have um, Audre Lorde, we have um, James Baldwin, we have Bayard Rustin, who was the architect of the movement. He was one of the people who created the March on Washington. Even, but he wasn't, he wasn't um, 
respectable because he was a gay man to be at the forefront like Martin Luther King, who was the Christian, married, even though uh, adulterer. <laughs> he was the Christian married guy who can be the perfect centerpiece for the movement. But the person doing the work was a queer black man and a queer black women, and then you have Fannie Lou Hamer. Her story, when you talk about the 1964 Democratic Convention, it was her story that made the change, that made Lyndon B. Johnson cut her, get on TV and cut her off because her story was powerful, was changing the country. And so when you, and most people talk about Martin Luther King, they talk about the males, but we don't talk about Fannie Lou the way we should when she was one of the people who the story changed the narrative of the country. So I think as our podcasts are kind of like capsules so that people can erase us and so that we can share it and we have control of our narrative so it's not erased. You brought up the beauty salon earlier as this kind of like safe space for black women. And I do feel like a lot of my podcast is kind of tapping into that shared experience that we have with beauty. I had the privilege of interviewing my mom and grandmother and hearing them talk about coming into their own and how they use beauty as a tool of self-expression. And it's funny with like the natural hair community, like we think it's new, like 2018, we're like, oh yeah, you know, transitioning movement and I did the big chop. But, you know, my mom was telling me, like, she's like, I was, I shaved my head in the seventies. I didn't know that was like a big chop. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that was transitioning, right? <laughs> um, but then also, he, but also hearing from my grandmother, right? And, and hearing about how she learned about beauty and what it meant to wear makeup and wearing your Sunday best. So I do think that there is this kind of like oral tradition around beauty that I hope to bring into Naked Beauty and the show that I do. But also I think that there's, and maybe I just started this podcast because like I'm nosy about women's beauty routines. Like Nikita, I wanna know where you get your hair cut. Like I wanna know how you added those blue at the end. Like you guys all have like amazing, beautiful skin, makeup. There's something about women just talking about self-presentation and self-expression, right? Because I think a lot of times people that speak about the beauty space, go to YouTube, right? Or Pinterest, and that's like the highlight reel. No one's going to go on YouTube and talk about how their twist out was like the biggest fail ever, and their gel from their wash and go won't stop flaking, and they can't find foundation to match their skin tone. Thank you, Fenty, for fixing that. But like, there is an opportunity to record what's happening um, in terms of how we self-present that's not just like the glossy, perfect, makeup tutorial but that's like the struggles also and our relationship with food and our hair and our skin and when things don't work also you get past the gatekeepers so because we have a soundcloud because we have a youtube we don't have to come and be perfect for the television to say oh we're gonna we're gonna give you a shot we can just create our own shots for myself i was always kind of like science geeky um and i just like wondered what I would be like as an artifact. Like, so if somebody found me 40,000 years from now, like, what would they say? And I wanted to be able to be an integral part of what they said about me. Um, so a lot, for a lot of my life, that was my writing, because you're going to find my writing and you're going to read it. Um, and now it's becoming a podcast. Like, you're going to find this shit and you're going to listen, and you can't make shit up, because I said this shit. It's, rec it's recorded. <laughs> So, like, for me, that's what a lot of it has been because I come from a people where people have literally erased 
who I am and where I come from. And I'm like, nah, you can't, you're not going to do that shit with me. So that's what this podcast is, my our podcast is. And then that is how I connect with my elders because I know that's the same thing they were doing, you know? So, yeah. Um, I think some the way that we um, are like continuing in the tradition of our ancestors, I think that the tradition that we're specifically trying to continue on Queer Rock um, is the black radical tradition. So um, like something Money and I talk about often <laughs> on the podcast is socialism. Um, that's a, don't, don't laugh. That's something you started talking about. I'm not also talking about. I'm not because I know Money is thinking, well, Nikita's going to take three hours to go. that often gets, I mean, I even just joked about, you know, invoking like the Marxist disposition and we think that socialism and like the radical tradition is just Marx, Lenin, and all of these old white dudes. But the, the I think some of the most powerful folks who have been fighting uh, for black liberation have been radicals. Who And radical, as Angela Davis, you know, told us, is it just means getting at the root, right? And so it's like, when, we're, we're, when we talk, like, the reason why we go on, you know, three hour um, rants and things is something that like money does and I do is like we always try to get to like the history of something. What is the root of why society is the way that it is? And more importantly, what is it that we can do? You know, what are the tools that we have to like organize and like fight against it? So I think that that's something that's also like really important to us. And I, the, I will, so even though I mentioned like, um, Socialists and that kind of thing, but when we talk about radicals, because like socialism comes about like early 20th century, but like, I've got this gun on my arm that says liberation, and that's in and that is in memory and support and honor of Harriet Tubman. So it's not just like the folks who self-identified as radicals, but like the people who were. Well, that's a person that was fighting for like widespread, you know, an overturning of the society as they fundamentally exist because it was unjust and could not stand. you know, black radical tradition and telling our own stories, like, you know, Move Philadelphia was also a radical Marxist black collective and, uh, you know, Philadelphia PD bombed them um, out of existence, you know, like, murdered 74 black people, right? So it's just, um, like, being able to tell our resistance in real time, like, you can listen to this podcast and hear, like, this is what we were doing. So if they like try to tell you otherwise, like no, it's not the case. They're lying. Yeah, they're lying. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking like, you know, we give you life, and like, like we come from a history of. I think a lot of times, like the Black American experience, does not get the credit for like what we have given in this country. Like we we produce. We were a people who like, were given nothing and produced everything. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that 
like these these black teenagers who are creating these like buying challenges, mm -hmm. these um like Twitter videos, they are not getting the money. The enemy wanted shit. <laughs> black queerness and the language that we create that becomes culture that you hear like white women in the airport saying shade you know it's like what what and, and that they don't care enough to know where it comes they don't care yeah yeah that, that like every every episode we tie it back to that history um and it's oral reminding me of like like during during the '60s in Alabama, I went to college in Alabama and learned all about how like the radios were so instrumental in the student walkouts that we see students are walking out right now. Like history is happening as we talk, and you know, so they would play a certain song on the radio. It's like, oh, y'all ready? About to drop that track, right? And the students know, like, oh, this is this is the time. Everybody all over the state is walking out because this song is playing, and and that's the history too. Like when. You hear our podcast where I hear like y'all's ew. It's like a call to action. You know, like, all right, <laughs> bad bitches wake up. <laughs> I think to, to, to your point about everyone kind of being obsessed with black culture and not recognizing the roots, it comes up all the time when I talk to black women about beauty because it's like, oh, now it's fashionable to have full lips and now it's fashionable to have, you know, a big butt. Oh, braids, right? Someone actually had the nerve to tell me like, oh, like you have Kim Kardashian braids. And I was like, Bo Derek is bad enough, but Kim. Right, 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 I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I apologize, I apologize. That's not good energy, okay. We'll forget I said that, but... No, they're not here. They're not here. But, you know, it's like, we have seen this idea of black beauty be commodified, and it's like everyone wants to be a black woman, but no one wants to deal with what black women have to deal with, right? So... So basically, this panel came up because as podcasters, Ben and I went to another, there are very few panels just, you know, on podcasting, or, or black women in podcasting more specifically. And so we went to a panel, and the entire panel was black women, and we were excited, but they were all black women who were co-signed by some sort of larger white corporation, right? So nothing wrong with that, but all of them were, right? So there was no diversity in the types of black women represented. They were all women with a certain type of speech, a certain NPR-friendly, certain, um, certain educational background. And so there was that, and then they also, in addition to the, that kind of lack of diversity, they spent the whole time talking about navigating whiteness, which that's important because that's what we do, but also we do such other amazing things that I wanted to take time and talk about what do we do? Who do we do it for? Who are we talking to? Kind of recenter ourselves. Because even in that conversation about black women navigating whiteness, now we're still talking about whiteness. We're still centering that trauma. Um, and so I wanted to really just take a moment and celebrate what we do and talk about it and share it with other people because we, these are important conversations. And it's, it is, while I am talking to black women, I enjoy bringing others into the conversation. Right. And by bringing, I mean silently listening. That's it. <laughs> so thank you. you know, Can I, I wanted to add, I wanted to add that 
we are talking to black women, but this room is not just black women. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So there are, there's a market for everything, and I think that the world tells us that it isn't, so we should yeah. only be talking about our experiences to whiteness right. and centering whiteness. So like, that was another reason why her and I decided to do this panel, was like, no, we could be bad bitches and thrive and all of that shit and speak in this speak mm -hmm. and do these things and all the people will come. Because right. look, all the people are here. Right. So. Right. Right. I just wanted to real quickly- You're closing out, so just say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to real quickly say, um, because I have to defend this in my work all the time, that like uh, centering a black woman's experience is not reductive, it's actually liberatory for everybody. Right. And, um, Trans activist Raquel Willis, she has an amazing quote that we know trickle down does not work, um, but trickle up will always work because in order for the most marginalized and oppressed among us to be free, then that means that everyone has to be free in the process because we have to get rid of all the shackles that hold everybody back. So if we're centering black women and femmes, then everybody get free in that process. That's why us get so much life. Thank you. Yeah, so thank you for listening to our first panel. Yes, thank you so much. Please be sure to give us feedback. Let us know what you thought. Yeah, seriously. Let us know any questions that you have, any questions you would have asked mm -hmm. on that panel. Yeah, yo, we take that. Help us grow. Help us evolve and shit. Word. Mm -hmm. Share it. Share this. Yeah. Share this episode. Share this more than ever. Because um, it is it is our work, but it's a different part of our work. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an introduction of like new content that we could create in the world like yes we are podcasters but there are other ways for jay and i to speak for black women and and speak in that voice and represent black women in that way mm -hmm. and this panel is another way that we can do that so like if you share this and more people see that this is work that we create they can you know pay us to fucking do this shit. that's right yeah. we can do it more absolutely as always, please be sure that you are subscribed to this podcast on all the places where you listen, whether it be on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, CastBox, Google Play, TuneIn app, all those places. All make things. sure you're subscribed. Make sure that you rate us. Make sure that you share it, please. That helps like we, we tremendously. Need, we need like we need that. Yeah. Yeah. That helps a lot. Yeah. We want to um, pop off. We want to pop off. Folks want to pop, pop off. off. Folks want to pop off. Yeah. <laughs> um, be, be sure to follow us on the social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Tea with QJ, and we are also on Tumblr and Facebook. And you just search for Tea with Queen and J there, and you'll find us there. Be sure to send us email at Tea with Queen and J at gmail.com. And, you know, send us donations. You do that by going to our website, Tea with Queen and J dot com. Hit that donate tab. And, you know, give us some money. Pay black women. Listen to us, then pay us, you know? And definitely do that, yo. Okay. Um, hashtags Black Lives Matter. Yep. Hashtag Listen to Black Women. Say her name. Stop killing trans women. Trans Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. All Black Lives Matter. Yep. Disability too white. Film dis. Spoony chat. Maybe he doesn't hit you. Hashtag four C here. Mm hmm. Um. Hashtag unpack BG. Hashtag Marsha's plate. Hashtag inner whole uprising. Hashtag queer walk. Hashtag TV with QJ. Mm -hmm. Hashtag pod and hashtag pods and color. Hashtag black create black creatives. That's all I got. Um, okay, bye. <laughs> so, everybody, white folks, they're going to get their shine. You're going to hear about them. You're going to buy this stuff. It's the mainstream. That's that's what's happening. We need you to root for everybody black, okay? And that includes, I'm, I'm using black as a, as a generalized term for POC folks. That includes everybody. On our show, we do a paid black women segment. We include indigenous women in that always. Like, root for everybody black. 
Group four, if I'm a black cis woman, I try and uplift trans women, I try and uplift disabled folks, use your privilege to root for everybody black and root for other people who are more marginalized than yourself. And do not, whiteness is not the standard of excellence, okay? So even in our own media, there are a lot of us who are trying to be, oh, I wanna be the black so-and-so, or I wanna be this, or, or, and the kingdom has fallen, or we have one, one, Thing, that one agency, one company, one black thing that we have held as, okay, this is the one. It's enough space for everybody to eat, it's enough space for everybody to get it, and if we all root for everybody black, we will get there together.